Hello, and welcome back to Back to Fundamentals uh, Energy Aspects podcast series. Uh, my name is Robert Campbell. I'm head of oil products research. I'll be moderating this edition. And today we'll be talking about oil products markets heading into 2021. Uh, this is going to be an interesting discussion with two of my colleagues on the team as we consider the wide-ranging possibilities for next year uh, in a market that is still uncertain about where we're actually going to be in middle of 2020. Uh, I'm with me are Sandra Octavia, the Senior Oil Products Analyst in London, and Raul Alcamo, our Head of Refinery Research. Sandra, let's uh, let's just take take it. Let's just take a big, wide picture here. What is what does twenty twenty one look like for the product markets in general? We already have the, had the view on crude that it's going to be uh, challenging on the demand side, but let's break it down for people. Yeah. So what we're seeing is in, by twenty twenty one, we're expecting um, oil products demand for diesel and gasoline to recover gradually to back to twenty nineteen levels. Um, however, for jet, is going to remain challenged. We are currently not expecting global jet demand to return back to pre-virus levels um, before 2022. Um, from where we are right now, globally, all products demand are de is definitely recovering as countries emerge from lockdown. This recovery is led by diesel, the most um, improvement of which we have seen in China. Um, but also in places like India, the latest May demand points to the fact that as the lockdown measures have been easing, the support from industrial as well as agricultural sectors have been supporting the recovery in diesel demand as well. Um, again, for gasoline as well, we're starting to see um, the incredible um, improvements for demand, especially coming out of the US, while in the East, we're still uh, largely banking on the improvements that are going to be coming in over the coming months, again, on expectations of traffic improvement, improving in the coming weeks. Yeah, um, I, guess, I guess the issue, though, is, is really going to be jet, though, right? I mean, uh, you know, if, if jet is going to be 7 million barrels a day next year, which is a million down from 2019, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a big, big hole in the market for, for, you know, already, right? I mean, uh, we already had oversupply in 2019, so that can't be good for any refiners. At the start of this year, we saw jet and carrier inventories um, at starting off the year at a very high level, given that uh, winter wasn't performing. Um, so given the massive demand losses as a result of COVID-19 this year, um, it's going to be a huge problem for refineries going on into the next year. Yeah, Raul, what do, I mean, you know, the, what is, what is, what's going to happen here with refining? Refinery at the moment, uh, for sure, are facing the the huge challenge of the the jet that apparently, and I will also remove the adverb, apparently doesn't have a solution because uh, in an easy way, in many configuration, you can blend uh, maybe up to 10, 20% into the diesel. Uh, and it's well known by the market that the limitation is the flash point. Uh, and uh, the more diesel you try to put into the fuel uh, pool, uh, thanks to the IMO 2020 or because to the IMO 2020, the more you are going to be limited uh, by the flash point. That was a problem that we also anticipated uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, saying that uh, the light component would have been uh, difficult, would have find difficulties to be blended into the diesel uh, pool. 
and the light part of the jet can be utilized uh, in the reformer partially up to a 10%. So ultimately you remain with an 80%, 70% of jet that has to be yeah. sold as a jet fuel. And these uh, will impact uh, the refining margin more than uh, where they are at the moment. On top of I mean, the, bottom line re- the bottom line really is the products market is getting squeezed from two sides here. We, we have demand that's going to you know, be better, but still not back to, uh, to, to 2019 or better levels uh, next year. And on the other hand, supply is going to be strong uh, for all products because we, you know, we still have too much refining capacity. And, and also now we have this uh, unusual yield shift away from jet into the, the middle distillate pool. Yeah, absolutely. You have a combination of uh, several elements. You have diesel uh, shift that will help you to produce much more uh, diesel. We have uh, the the processing gain or the volume expansion at the refinery level uh, that started already in uh, at the beginning of the year with the twenty twenty uh, with the IMO twenty twenty. And just to put in perspective, if you are if you upgrade five percent of your fuel oil to gasoline or distillate products, uh, you need to run uh, uh, roughly out of uh, ninety million barrel a day. You need to run roughly le- five hundred thousand barrel less crude to reach exactly the same demand. This means that uh, there is a uh, a volume expansion effect that is causing already without all the issue that we are having on the demand is causing already a lower uh, a lower crude consumption and uh, finally as you mentioned the fact that uh, the refining capacity is uh, at least we may, we see in 2020 and going 2021 at least 10 million barrel a day higher that uh, the, the current demand any any spike, any increase in the demand will attract extra refining capacity for who has at the moment positive margin, but will weigh even more on the weakest and less complex and less efficient refinery, especially in Europe, that are at the so, moment r- running at negative margins. So what are product traders going to do here? Are they just going to spend all of next year attacking every, uh, selling every, every, every bump up and cracks? I would, I would, I would do that, and I would be prepared only for the period where uh, you are able, if you can, you are able to anticipate a huge uh, uh, turnaround period because uh, the market showed that uh, if the refining capacity is reduced by at least eight, if not even more, of course, than eleven million barrel a day, as it happened uh, last year, there you might have. Uh, uh, the possibility of the cracks uh, to perform, but is very limited uh, in time uh, because uh, this will uh, incentivize the people to secure even more crude and will destroy immediately what is created uh, for a short period of time. So the timing is crucial, uh, but the risk is very high. Sa- Sandra, any, any bright spots out there do you see? Um... <laughs> that says well, it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, high sulfur. I think we still like high sulfur fuel oil, which has you know turned out to be more of a dark horse across um, the refining complex. Um, and this again is tied to how uh, demand has been holding up surprisingly um, for high sulfur fuel oil, given 
and you know, um, what we're seeing in terms of scrubber installations as well as demand from the utility sector as well. Um, that I would say will be the only um, bright spot across the oil products complex, given that for the rest of the clean products, we will be seeing um, a lot more supply um, next year. Uh, especially since the East will be adding um, a couple of large refining capacities over 2021. Um, one is one of which will be in Kuwait and um, Shenghong in China as well. But only, but that will only come on towards the end of next year. Right. I mean, honestly, the, when I you survey the landscape, it seems to me the only really interesting place to be is is trying to anticipate. You know the the effect of of the what seem to be inevitable refinery closures in the Atlantic Basin uh, that are that have to happen next year. I mean, uh, obviously we've we've had a small one in the U.S. with Cheyenne being announced, um, and and likely, well, at least a temporary shutdown of of come by chance in Canada. Um, but certainly, given the scale of the oversupply that we're seeing, I mean, the, the more closures are needed to get this market to balance. Uh, and, and obviously, in that regard, Europe is a place that people are looking at. I mean, is there yeah, the Mediterranean is is on is on is in everybody's crosshairs? Is there any way that you know we can see how product flows might shift if we get a, a number of closures in the Med? You know, given that the East will be seeing a lot more um well the ease balances are basically going to be in structural oversupply for a long time so um the way i see it, the products coming out of the eastern refining system will have to be pricing into the market um into the region uh, to price into the other regions basically yeah i mean it's i i guess it's, it's you know if we do get rationalization in the east in in the med the east is going to be the big beneficiary um mm -hmm. You know, the, the U.S. is going to be looking for new markets too, obviously as well, because uh, the stocks here have built tremendously, and and uh, the Gulf Coast has made uh, has, has had a fantastic run with with Latin America for the last five years or so. Um, but that maybe is uh, proving to be a, a weak point for for the Gulf Coast now, as we see that uh, exports have really struggled to come up uh, because of the economic pain in that part of the world. So you know, I guess I guess we'll see a lot longer haul product flows uh, and a much more yeah. integrated, uh, integrated global market than in the past, particularly for products like diesel that are more easily traded uh, across many months. I I see your point, uh, Rob, to be also confirmed by the fact that at the beginning we will not need a, a simple reduction of the runs, but at the beginning because the runs are in balance at the moment with the demand, and likely they will grow together with the demand. So we, what we need is a shift of the runs from uh, uh, the negative margin point that we are lighting, likely to be in Europe to, to, to Asia. So this will create, uh, especially on distillate, uh, I believe, uh, a SIF uh, price center in Europe uh, that has to compensate the double freight to deliver also the crude from Europe to mm. Asia and the product back. So uh, uh, a spread between the SIF price in Europe and the FOB price in Asia that has to reflect uh, uh, this shifting in the runs. Yeah, I mean, that, that is an interesting point to consider that we were going to be moving crude to Asia and then moving the products all the way back. Um, but I mean, we've, we've seen this in other commodity markets uh, as, as the investment in heavy industry has moved uh, into the east of Suez, 
that that's uh, that is the pattern that we follow. Um, you know, is there? This is the kind of question we get all the time that it's impossible to answer. But you know, what what on earth are, do we think about people going back to work? Uh, is, is commuting going to come back? Uh, do we have any perspective on that? I mean, I, I would give my my point of view is that it's far too early to tell. Um, we do know in the U.S. that thirty percent it's only thirty percent of people can really work from home. What are what are people that you talk to in the market uh, saying about this sort of thing for next year? Well, um, I think that you know most people are saying that working from home is probably going to be um, a lot more frequent in in our future, given that you know for most people, even like us, um, our companies have been um, kind enough to give us a proper setup to work from home, and as long as there hasn't been any disruption, so why not? I think um, people will be a lot more open to that. Um, I think that we might see a bump up in initial you know, traffic um, in terms of going back to work. But again, as you mentioned, it's still way too early to tell. There's a lot of uncertainty and the way I see it, it's probably a lot more downside risk than upside from where we are. Um, already a lot of the Quite a few of the places that have emerged from lockdown are starting to see a second wave. Some places more serious than the other, and that pretty much just um, put on a more um, cautious um, sentiment in the air as well with regards to you know returning returning to a norm a pre-virus normal life. Yeah, Rao, what do you think? The, the, the main point that I have seen and uh, it's a point of debate and discussion is that likely at uh, the beginning, especially uh, the first uh, summer season in 2021, you might have uh, a bigger utilization of uh, road fuels rather than uh, the jet because uh, most of the people are realizing that uh, you are missing a part of your own country to be visited so we might have uh, spikes in gasoline that are uh, more abrupt uh, than uh, what we are used to see at least for the first uh, for the first two years after we are coming back remains the point uh, that we might not have a second wave uh, in autumn and uh, the human being have proven to be short uh, to have a short memory so <laughs> yeah i mean if you if you if you look back to what air travel was was like uh you know the, the phenomenal thing was we were seeing uh capacity utilization you know pa paying passengers in seats was percentage of capacity available was the high was among the highest numbers ever in not just in the us which was extremely strong but in many other markets and and while obviously there will be a unemployment component that, that keeps people out of the planes yeah as you're saying um you know if more people are driving uh we're moving a lot of that you know, jet demand perhaps into the gasoline column, and and, and arguably, it's a it's a more energy intensive way of traveling. Yeah, mm -hmm. they will. They, this will cause an higher demand and higher consumption of uh, energy. At the same time, uh, the world is getting more and more ready to be able to produce that kilowatt or or that BTU in mm. uh, in a different way rather than use utilizing fossil fuel. Uh, this might be a counterbalance uh, of uh, this effect. Yeah, I know, but we only look three to six months ahead in this market anyway, right? <laughs>
Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going electric uh, by Christmas. So <laughs> I think that's it. So, I mean, just look, I mean, just, just to wrap up here, I think I'm going to recap our points is that, you know, we, we have a, a challenge market next year uh, where diesel will recover and probably lead in most parts of the world. And gasoline, certainly this summer looks okay. And then into the winter, I think we're, we're, we're facing some pretty heavy challenges from uh, just excess refining supply. But the real, the real difficulty is just going to be the lack of jet demand and the fact that, uh, you know, we just don't need to run nearly as much crude to get the clean products we're going to need. And we have a massive amount of excess refining capacity that's going to slam any increase in, uh, in product cracks. Um, so really, this is, a, this is going to be an extraordinary period of waiting for refineries to drop off. Great. Well, look, I'd like to thank you both, Sandra and Ralph, for joining us. Uh, this has been Back to Fundamentals with Energy Aspects, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you in a future edition. 